Hello folks, it's me. Hello folks, Dan here. Hello folks, doing a onesie episode again today. <clears throat> talking about talking about kids in the kitchen. No, not Hansel and Gretel style. We're not going to eat them. We're <laughs> it's kind of gross. We're going to work with them to teach them some skills to um satisfy what seems to me to be uh, a, a just a, a real natural curiosity about what's going on. It looks like it's fun. It looks like it could be a mess, but really it looks like it could be, <laughs> could be something good to eat. So what's going on? <clears throat> My kids love the kitchen. They like seeing and learning about the things that I'm doing, even if they don't want to eat it. Now, I do have a few reasons to encourage them being there. One of them is that, in no particular order, I have no wish for them to be unable to cook for themselves, ever. <clears throat> Even if all they eat is chicken fingers and macaroni and cheese, they'll know how to make the cheese sauce and bread and fry their chicken. Uh, I don't really want college kids, depending on whatever meal plan exists there. I want them to know how to, I want better for them. But I also want them to use the brains today. That happens in a variety of ways, some plain and obvious and some maybe not so much. Measuring is math, both with spoons and cups and grams and ounces. Measuring is precision. Measuring is hand-eye coordination, but also with the ingredients out and about, there is space management and cleanliness and orderliness. <clears throat> Getting the ingredients together is a chance to learn to double-check your work, verify that you have everything you need, and organize both the space in front of you, which uh, is that phrase I've used before, uh, the French say mise en place, everything in place. But I've also mentioned there is the mental mise en place, getting your thoughts and your ideas in order to make the thing. So, um, whether... Uh, how each kid responds and treats this time uh, with me in the kitchen is, is interesting. One of them wants to be right, but can't <clears throat> One of them wants to be right about everything, but can't be done measuring quickly enough. <laughs> so there's the urge for precision contrasted against the desire to be done now. The other one, the seven-year-old, Eleanor, is very precise and very much a I-can-do-it-daddy kind of a girl. Letting her do it is also a good lesson for me because letting her do and maybe make a mistake then help her fix it gives me 
some patients when I will admit sometimes uh, I, I can be a little impatient. So <clears throat> we <clears throat> so we both learn from this. Her biggest challenge with ingredients is cracking eggs. She's not really crazy about the mess that it leaves on her fingers, but she's determined to try and do it right. Now, Eleanor has the ability to sort of see her project in her head perfectly. No matter what it is she's doing, she has this sort of platonic, perfect vision in her head. And her real challenge comes when her little fingers don't make what she sees in her head. Now, where that comes into a problem with the eggs is, well, sometimes the the eggshell doesn't really want to, to crack the way you want it to. Sometimes it just wants to. Sometimes it just wants to smash. So the laws of physics and the uh, application of pressure. These are some things that are a little bit more complicated than for a seven year old to understand. All she really knows is. It's yuck. <clears throat> so getting in the kitchen is a bit of math homework here. We just don't call it that. It's making yummy treats. This last Christmas break, uh, the 12-year-old, Amelia, did a gift exchange. And the person whose name she drew happened to really like marshmallows. Now, <clears throat> how it came to be that each person knew what the preferred gift was is a whole other issue. But this girl wanted marshmallows. Well, there was no way we're buying marshmallows. We made them. And Amelia helped. So she did the measuring of all of the ingredients and she left the stove work to me. So, the getting in the kitchen part, the first order of business really is safety. First, wash your hands. So cleanliness is also going to be part of safety because we're not transmitting and transporting and cross-contaminating with all the yucky bits on kids' hands. That keeps the food safe from germs. Uh, also, uh, if your kid wants one, and my kids do, uh, an apron uh, and hair pulled back. Um, <coughs> I gave Eleanor a one of my baker's caps, which she thought was just the best thing in the whole world. Absolutely loves it. So we'll probably find a special one for her and maybe have her name embroidered on it. Um, then uh, we also want to make sure that we're clothed properly, which really just means um, clothes, toed shoes, no bare feet, no flip-flops. And uh, if we're going to be spending time at the mixer or at the stove, nothing, no flowy sleeves. Uh, we have uh, electric uh, oven, stove. We have an, 
we have an electric stove, so there's less risk of clothing catching on fire than there would be, say, with a gas burner. But there is kind of a risk of the clothes or the sleeve getting caught uh, in the mixer. So we want to eliminate as many possibilities for harm as we can. So uh, long sleeve. I personally don't. I like long sleeves because I wore my chef coat for years, so I'm I'm used to my arms being protected. But short sleeves is fine. But nothing, no dangly jewelry hanging over into the mixing bowl. Nothing like that. Uh, of course, hair pulled back, and that's one of the reasons we're wearing the hat. Uh, so. We have our safety issues attended to. The two most obvious danger, <coughs> the two most obvious dangers in the kitchen are knives and heat, cuts and burns. Both my girls have a pretty normal sense of fear about pain, so they're not too quick to do things that are unsafe. But accidents can happen, and I organize and show them the the mise en place, the organization, to help reduce those opportunities. So um, we're not just leaving knives lying willy-nilly on the countertop. When we use a knife, we put it back in the spot where we know the knives are kept and that our fingers aren't just going to be accidentally in, in the presence of the knife blade because, well, that's not any good. Um, one of the ways I help minimize the opportunity for getting cut is I use a little, small, three or four inch pallet knife, the kind you would use to say, you know, spread frosting on a cake. Uh, We use that to cut the butter or to cut the lard or something else that we need to cut that is soft enough, like a fat. Uh, it's, It's got enough of an edge to go through butter easily, but it won't go through skin. Now, with that whole idea in mind of uh, getting cut on things that are not normally things we would look at as a cut-me object, with wet hands comes an increased possibility of getting cut. And since kids' skin seems to be even more delicate than gnarly old adult skin hands, even something like that the edge of that palette knife can can cut a little bit. Uh, I have seen dishwashers get cut on the inside of ladles and on the sides of kitchen spoons and on the edges of what they call hotel pans. So <clears throat> if it's hard and even a little bit sharp, wet skin is just so much more susceptible so we want to make sure we're just we, we want safety in mind. Both of my kids know how to and will cook some scrambled eggs. Uh, the kind of cooking required to make, say, the marshmallows for uh, the Christmas gift for the girl in school. Well, that required some extensive muscle work. And standing in front of the stove on a double boiler, so we've got uh, we've got a height problem because the whole apparatus is going to be taller than Amelia is, or close to it. Uh, and then there's the whole heat and steam, and well, quite frankly, she had no interest in doing that, and that's okay. Uh, I was that, that's 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 fine. Uh, the wee one, Eleanor, 
does want to put the pans in the oven. And I will admit, it, I, I get so scared for her when she's leaning over to put something in the oven because I can... What if she loses her balance? The first reaction is put your hand down. Well, you put your hand down on something that's 350 degrees, and that's that <clears throat> tests me. Eleanor's big complaint about the oven is that there's too much heat coming out. So why can't I just turn the oven off before we put something in the oven and then turn the oven back on? So... Well, that seems like a perfectly obvious solution to a seven-year-old. I don't know that she fully comprehends, even though I've tried to explain, that just because I turn a 350-degree oven off doesn't mean the heat just disappears. So um, <clears throat> this, is, this is one of the battles. So... The biggest coexisting challenge to having her put the pan in the oven after she complains about too much heat is making sure my anxiety about her maybe hurting herself doesn't give her anxiety so that she actually does hurt herself. Um, a, a peaceful environment seems to be a much more a helpful environment, and that isn't restricted to kids. I can tell you that having worked in professional kitchens with full-grown humans, sometimes the uh, the set of demands at any given particular moment can be <laughs> overwhelming, and and even the most uh, zen folks can be a little rattled. So uh, making making the environment one where success is, making the environment one where the increase the possibility of success is, is a good place for all of us to be. <clears throat> all right, so we've got our clean hands. We're wearing our hat. We have the red shoes. We're not wearing the wrong shirt, and we don't have dangly necklaces, and we're all ready to go. Now, what do we do? Well, that's going, to, that's going to depend on the kid. Both of mine are afraid of knives. That's not altogether bad, but similarly to the anxiety, causing anxiety, a too much fear, which becomes trepidation, can actually lead to a little bit more harm than not. So someone who is terrified of a knife and doesn't hold it firmly is, well, really probably runs the risk of, of causing some kind of an injury. Um, and that doesn't, I mean, that almost seems counterintuitive, that if you're holding tightly onto a knife, that shouldn't, that maybe doesn't always make sense. But a firm grip on the knife, holding it properly, is the surest way to be safe because it has the most control. If you're holding on to a knife flimsily, well, then it can fall out or they can go, it, it can cut you unexpectedly. And, well, we don't need that. So, 
both of them have used a paring knife. Uh, Amelia will cut apples for herself and make wedges. Uh, Eleanor will eagerly use a paring knife to cut fresh okra to make fried okra. <laughs> That's <laughs> that that isn't even work. The the reward is is the fried okra, and she's thrilled to do that. And and man oh man, kid loves her fried okra. Um. So. The knife is the obvious sharp thing, and I've talked a minute ago about some of the inobvious sharp things or things that can harm. And one of the uh, one of the other uh, implements that can cause harm is a cheese grater. Now, Eleanor will want to you know, Eleanor will want to do anything a letter. Um, she'll want to grate the cheese, and that's that's not hard. It's actually not difficult at all, but it, it does present the obvious risk of if you either don't watch where your finger, particularly your thumb, is as you're grating the cheese, or if the cheese rolls over and you grate your knuckles. Man, I'm telling you, that... <laughs> boy, howdy. That hurts! So on top of your blood to your knuckles, now you're in pain. You probably have DNA in the cheese. And so now you need band-aids. You stop what you're doing. You've got to throw all the food away and then start all over again. There's The pain is enough, but add to all those other things, that's enough of a reason to practice being safe. So <clears throat> she'll try, and I'll let her to a point. But I will watch her very carefully so that I can make sure she's not running the risk of doing what I anticipate to be the case. Uh, and quite honestly, she'll probably get mad at me for making sure that she's staying safe. So anyway, uh, one of the other tools that I have that I will not let them use is the mandolin. Because pushing your hand and fingers into an extraordinarily sharp blade designed to do only one thing cut whatever touches it, well, that's not something uh, a 7-year-old or a 12-year-old needs to do today. For the what do we do now part, Eleanor really likes mixing and not just using the machine. She wants to get in there and mash the butter into the flour when we're making biscuits or when we're making pie dough. And that takes a lot of work. That's a, it's a lot of muscle work to get those chunks of butter into wee, wee, wee chunks of butter. But she's going to push on as much as she can. Um, we made a couple of uh, pie doughs and she did that. Uh, she actually, I, I made one in the mixing bowl because we had a lot of it to make. And she, <laughs> she was very disappointed we didn't do it by hand. But but she helped mix it on the counter. So, uh, we have a, a process and that's on the... We have a particular process for making pie dough in the... Uh, <clears throat> We have a particular process we use for making the pie dough, and that is on the blog, I believe, culinarylibertarian.com slash pie dough. Um, so we made the pie dough. We made uh, whole wheat dough for some homemade Pop-Tarts, which was a really good idea, but it was the wrong dough. But she helped make that from beginning to end, and she helped roll it all out. Um, she likes the rolling part. Again, 
um, muscles not quite where they need to be to really roll the dough as thin as possible, but she wants to do the rolling. She wants to do the mixing. She helped put the dough inside the pan for the pie. Uh, what did we make? Oh, we made a chocolate silk pie. Uh, that was good. And so she put the parchment paper inside. She puts the rice on top for the blind baking. Really wants to get involved in all that stuff. And that's awesome. I like that part. She would be one of the first ones to point out to me that mixing the dough, rolling the dough, and putting uh, the rice in the parchment paper for the blind baking is fun, but it's not cooking. Fair enough. It's not cooking. There are some skills that need to be obtained by the wee ones. <coughs> which help facilitate getting to the cooking. Uh, and some of these skills still themselves properly aren't cooking. So she's talking about doing the transfer of heat, putting the heat onto the food, either in the oven or making the eggs on top of the stove. Um, she doesn't... So the, the transfer of heat, or in some cases, the waiting. Pie dough needs to rest a few hours. Uh, yeast leavened breads need to, they, they need to do what they need to do, and only at the pace of the yeast. So that can't be hurried along. The, in this iPad culture that my kids live in, Instant is too slow. If you remember the Homer Simpson episode, uh, the microwave scene, where he looks at the microwave and don't seven seconds. That's my girls. Seven seconds might as well be a week. So not all the time in the kitchen is cooking. In fact, maybe very little of it. <clears throat> We have, oh, a half a dozen or so kids' cookbooks, and in many of them, some of the meals are simple. Sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, ham and cheese sandwiches. Uh, some of them are, some of them are rolls, uh, like a meat cold cut and cheese rolled up in a tortilla shell. Um, those things, clearly... No application of heat, so there isn't a cooking thing there. But this is these kinds of kitchen activities are how we're going to build a base of skills. So, uh, with that same little four inch little palette knife we used to cut the butter, I have many, we'll get another one and we'll spread peanut butter on the bread. Big deal. Well, the thing is, the same wrist action involved in putting peanut butter or butter on bread or a cracker is pretty much the exact same skill that puts icing on a cake. Uh, rolling up that tortilla with ham and cheese and you know, pickles or whatever is the same skill as rolling cinnamon bread or cinnamon rolls. Now, the cinnamon bread and cinnamon rolls are going to have a few more nuances to them, but fundamentally, you're rolling a thing, 
pretty tightly so all the stuff stays in. So there, so there are these transferable skills and there's also the very real possibility that your seven or eight or nine year old will have a higher time preference and just not really care. So uh, <clears throat> it's, <laughs> I, I can't fix that part even with my own. But the, the other part that's going to go along with the spreading the butter or the peanut butter or rolling the tortilla or whatever these things are we're doing that is kitchen work but not quote-unquote cooking work is we have the opportunity to make a mistake. We may tear the bread. We may tear the tortilla. Now what do we do? Oh, a very real one. Um, pizza dough. Eleanor made pizza dough, helped me roll it out, helped me stretch it out, and we got it on the screen and a little teeny hole. What do you do? So... <clears throat> The lessons of cooking, and this is, this is maybe a bit philosophical, but bear with me. The lessons of cooking do, to some degree, transfer to the lessons of life. Um, not that you have pizza dough everywhere in your life, but there are opportunities to discover a problem evaluate the problem, ponder a solution, affect the solution, and then move on. So, and, and this, it sounds kind of simple, but I'm, every one of us has run into adults who, when faced with the problem, uh, they just blah, 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 shut down. It's like, well, okay, we can't, this is, we can't do this. So, the, the pizza dough problem is a very simple problem to fix. And it's just folding over that spot and pitching the dough together uh, and maybe working some more dough to it. But that's, that's a fixable problem. Uh, if the bread tears from the sandwich, well, maybe we make, th maybe we make fun. And instead of lamenting, uh, having a torn piece of bread, and then we can't have a sandwich. Maybe we're going to make. Maybe we're going to make an awesome sandwich, and we'll put three pieces of bread, and jelly on one side, and peanut butter on the other side. So there's. There are opportunities, to find a solution. And without panic. Um, now, if cream is boiling over on the stove, now that requires a higher sense of urgency and immediacy than the torn bread. And the solution is get off the heat. So, uh, if you... <coughs> this may sound gross, but it works. If you just blow across the top, and deflate the bubbles, the cool air will also deflate the bubbles of the cream or the milk and at least buy you a second of time so more stuff doesn't pour out onto your stovetop and then burn and make it one. It makes a smell. 
two, it makes a big mess you got to clean up. So uh, there are degrees, there are, of course, magnitudes of urgency here. Um, torn bread may feel like the end of the world, but of course we know that it isn't, so we can find a solution to that. And 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 in in the cooking I've done with my kids, there have we've bumped into problems. So getting through the getting getting through the problem with decorum and grace. And a lack of volume is a real win for all of us because there is a solution to this situation and we don't need to be yelling and screaming like some of the people on TV sometimes do. You know who I'm talking about. When I was in culinary school, one of the chefs in the first couple of days of of class said, I don't care what you do, I don't care what mistakes you make. And we all thought, oh, man, this is going to be great. And he gave us that pause because he knew what we were going to think. And the caveat was, you have to know how to fix your mistake. (laughs) Uh, Well, we don't know how to do that. So... Uh, the point of his lesson was pay attention to what you're doing and don't make mistakes in the first place. One of the ways we're going to minimize those mistake opportunities and, and accidents happen, we can't fix everything, we can't prevent everything. One of the ways we're going to work on that, and this is a good skill to start with for, with, with the kids, is... Read the recipe, then read it again. But let's talk about what those steps mean. What does it mean? We're going to get all, we're going to, we're going to make brownies. We're going to get out, we're going to get out butter and eggs and flour and sugar and chocolate. Well, when we get that out, possibly, depending on your kitchen, your counter has disappeared because it's covered in stuff. Well, we can't have all these ingredients on the counter and mix our brownies and put them into the pan without managing our space. So the reading of the recipe a couple of times and talking about, thinking about, visualizing where are these things going to go? How are we going to do all of this? So back to the mise en place part. (coughs) Organize. Maybe we don't need to take all of the ingredients out at one time. Take out the flour, measure the flour, put the flour back. Take out the sugar, measure the sugar, put the sugar back. So with each one of these things, as we're doing this, we're modeling the, the, the procedure. So you, you use an ingredient, put the ingredient back because we need to save space. The more stuff in our way, the more opportunity for things to go just badly. Something can get knocked over. You know, we knock over the bag of flour. Well, now, flour's on the counter. It's on the carpet. The cat's walked in it. It's all over. It just any number of things can happen, which increase the anxiety and tension and frustration about baking. And now this isn't really a lesson about teaching and having fun. We're not bonding. We're... <laughs> 
we're, you know, we're big grizzly bears. Grr, grr, to make brownies. Well, there is no cook I've ever met, seven years old or 57 years old, who responds well to the grr. It's just true. Now, I know that one of these guys on TV makes a living out of it, but that's part of the business model of the TV channel. And I've seen him in other venues, and that's part and parcel with being a chef, but he's also got a tremendous amount of compassion for the people who are actually legitimately trying. So, my challenge with my kids is not letting the restaurant daddy show up and be meanie pants. Trying to find the, the, the fun and the learning and the facility. Because it's not about me, it's about them. And I want them to have these skills. And part of that is entirely in my control. So let's go back to the brownie episode I just mentioned. That was, I think, last week. Um, I did make a comment that home cooking and baking is not and need not be the same as restaurant baking and cooking. Now, before I continue, I do want to make this one point that I was called out on that here at home, mostly, I do pretty much home cooking because I know who my audience is. But every once in a while, uh, and we've done this for, we've had friends over, I do go into sort of restaurant cook mode as opposed to home cook mode and endeavor to make, to the best of my spatial abilities, things that I would make in a restaurant if I was in a restaurant. So this is not to say that home cooking should never try to be as magnificent and complex as restaurant cooking, but I find in my own life that to do that every single day is much more work in in the home than I want to give. I'd rather spend more time with the kids in another way because they're not going to enjoy being around for that. So there we go. Address that part. Um, Just... So the goal for cooking at home with the kids is first spending good time together and sharing and learning. And they teach me a little bit, and my biggest lessons to learn are still the patience. But getting getting that enjoyment into their hands and in their heads is much more important than trying to make a beef wellington. There's nothing wrong with beef wellington, but... It's just two separate things. All right, so just to make sure we're covering all the right bases. Clean hands, safety, right clothes, right shoes, hair is pulled back. Uh, If we're going to use knives, they're using the right knives for the little hands, and generally that's going to be probably a paring knife, which means they're probably not going to be doing butchering. Uh, I will tell you that I did find online, and I'll put this up on the show notes page at culinarylibertarian.com slash 25, a uh, plastic knives, which are sharp enough to cut things, food things, for 
for kids for um, let's say five to ten or something. I don't remember what the ad said. So we're going to get her some of these for her upcoming birthday. Um, they're, they're light enough that she can hold them. And I, my French knife is giant. It's a 10 inch French knife. Both of them are my slicer. I have a 14 or 16 inch cake slicer. This is not a knife for a seven year old, but a little plastic knife that she can hold on to that she can cut some veggies, that she could cut fruit for a smoothie or for whatever we're making, is going to give her the skill she needs and the confidence she needs to hold a knife. When we make mistakes, we're going to find the happy way through. They are at the end of the world. Even if something gets burned, that's... Well, that's bad, but the kid, I'm in, at least here, the kid's not going to be cooking something without me being there. So something being burned is a pretty low risk. But really, we're looking at, you know, holes in pizza dough. Uh, maybe the butter didn't get mashed enough into the, the pastry or the biscuits. These are not big problems. And if, with all of the problems going on in the world, having a pie dough with a slightly big, too big of a piece of butter, well... I'll I'll take that. <clears throat> so that's not something that's a real big problem. That's that's part of the whole learning process and we can't expect I don't expect perfection right away. I expect perfection to come and that's just depending on the kid. Uh, as it happens, the best solution to mistakes is reassurance that the product is going to be fine. The pizza came out fine. The, the, the problem with the Pop-Tarts wasn't her mixing them. It was the bad recipe to begin with. So everybody, including me, makes mistakes, learning from them, teaching and sharing and going, uh, going through that mistake to success is really what Sharing knowledge is about, and that is not limited to kids. That's, that happens even in the professional kitchens. So it's, it's a sharing thing. Uh, as to that counter with our ingredients, I just make sure we're working with the kids to establish good habits. Use the, use the ingredient, put the ingredient away. Put the baking soda away, measure what you need, put it back. Measure the yeast, put it back. So that we are one, we put it back where we got it so we know where it is the next time we want to bake. That's so important. Um, two, that we are able to mark this off on our list as we're reading the recipe, have everything before we mix. We're going to go through, for example, on the brownies. Have the flour. Yes. Have the sugar. Yes. Have the butter. Yes. Is the butter melted? Yes. Do we have the eggs? Yes. We have the chocolate. Yes. Is the chocolate melted? Yes. And everything's ready to go. So now we are sure we can begin our process. And that is part of the both physical mise en place, checking your ingredients, and the mental mise en place. Is everything in order? Do we have everything we need in the way we need it? Meaning, is the butter melted if it needs to be, if the chocolate melted if it needs to be, and is it not too hot? <clears throat> this is an ongoing project. It takes 
continuous patience and practice. And I like that part because it helps me learn about them and even more. And this is, I like that part. Um, so I mentioned we have uh, some cookbooks. I'm going to put those up on the show notes page also, culinarylibertarian.com slash 25. Some of them are really amazing cookbooks for kids. Uh, some of them only slightly less so, but I'll put them up there and you can decide because maybe you like them more. Uh, of course, um, I've, <laughs> uh, I have no shortage of recipes. I have, I have, <laughs> well, I have recipes. So we do resort to those. We do use a lot of the recipes that I've published on the blog. We do make the chip dip. We do make the ranch dressing. We do make the blue cheese dressing. We do make the fry sauce. And we do make, I don't think I put it up, a version of seasoning salt that I call Danny's instead of the other name. The biggest difference is uh, in Danny's, there is no added sugar. And then the commercial one there is, and I've changed the ratio of a few of the spices just to meet my taste preferences. Uh, one of the places, you know, this iPad generation, one of the places that they are getting their recipe ideas is from the website Tasty. And they are often sending me texts and emails with little video clips of, I want to make this, I want to make this, I want to make this. So that's also a really good source. Uh, if they're excited enough, well, <laughs> so maybe I have geeky kids who are watching recipe videos, but if they're excited enough to send this to me, then there is a level of engagement already built in, and that sounds like a really good place to begin. So, I... So depending on what your children are willing to do and able to do, that's going to sort of indicate to you where to start with them in the kitchen. Um, dressings is a real good place to begin because there's, there's measuring, there's precision, there's ingredient gathering and ingredient putting back in and mixing. So yeah, there's no application of heat, but we, that's okay. Um, Making a good dressing, making a good fry sauce, making a good seasoning salt is a way to engage in the kitchen and still use either the scale or the measuring cups and measuring spoons uh, and start to build those steps of confidence and competence and satisfaction in a job well done. Um, there's... Uh, so, so kids can help make the brownies is easy because there's lots of measuring, but not a whole lot of heat. Muffins are pretty easy to do. Lots of, lots of measuring and mixing, but not too much heat. Uh, pancakes, mixed pancakes. There's, uh, there's a brownie. There's a banana pancake recipe on the blog, which is just fantastic. Uh, also, the fluffy pancake recipe. We make both of those here. Um, mixing cookies. That's something you use, use the mixer, no app, except for putting the cookies in the oven. So there's lots of ways to engage, lots of really fun and delicious things to make. Um, 
if you've got a fryer and you want to do the frying, mixing donuts is, is a lot of fun because there's lots of things going on. There's the mixing, the measuring, the putting back in, but also then there's the rolling of the donut dough uh, using the fun cutters to cut them out. And possibly if you're making a Bismarck style donut, <laughs> then there's putting good stuff inside. You can, you know, topping, you can go crazy with different kinds of sauces or just simple cinnamon sugar or powdered sugar. But there's there's lots of ways to make kids, there's lots of ways to grow kids' skills in the kitchen. It's just, I, I know that time is always a problem, but the, the, the time thing and just finding whatever works for your kids in your space, in your time. But getting get get them in there because this is something that uh, I think they're going to enjoy. I know that my kids enjoy it. I know that her. I know that their friends cook at home and they sort of like coming over here and seeing what we've got. So there's a natural curiosity. Build on that curiosity and give them uh, some skills so they don't have to depend on commercial hamburgers. Black. All right. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 26. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 26. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 26. Hello, folks. Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Hello. <laughs> Hello, folks. Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Happy to have you back. Happy to be here. few notes first. Head on over to my podcasts page, and you can find my... Head on over to my podcasts page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts. You can click on my Facebook icon and join my Eating Liberty group or follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Also, on the podcasts page, you'll find my Patreon button. I would appreciate any support you can give. Please do rate the show and leave a positive review on your favorite podcatcher. Ratings and reviews move the show up in the ranks and gets more people listening. And the more people listening are the more people who get cooking. And lastly, do please share the show on social media. The fight for 15, or some other arbitrary number as the minimum wage, is a flaw in economic thinking. A wage is a price for labor. Everybody wants more money, but so... Everybody wants more money, but so few understand what money is or where prices come from. Economist Jeff Herbner has a class. Economist Jeff Herbner has the class Austrian Economics Step by Step at Liberty Classroom to help you bite back against your incomplete education from the state. Find his class and over 20 more with my affiliate link to the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back. Bite back against the failed education the state gave you with culinarylibertarian.com 
slash biteback. Jose, let's take a word out for a word from my affiliate, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan is, simply put, dedicated to selling the best foie gras, truffles, meat, game, and mushrooms to American gastronomes, whether they are at home or at a restaurant. One product I especially like to cook with is rendered duck fat. It is similar to bacon fat, but has a smoother flavor and adds a wonderful richness to sautés or soups, or even as a warm salad ingredient. Even as a warm, or even as a warm salad dressing ingredient. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com/d'artagnan to see the wide variety of items for your pantry and yes, summer is coming for your grill. CulinaryLibertarian.com slash D'Artagnan. That's CulinaryLibertarian.com slash D-A-R-T-A-G-N-A-N. Or visit the link at the show notes page at CulinaryLibertarian.com slash 26. Now, let's get back to the interview. Jose, let's take a moment out for a word from one of my affiliates. Once you subscribe to Liberty Classroom through the Bite Back link, look for Jeff Herbner's class, The Austrian Economics. Once you subscribe to Liberty Classroom through the Biteback link, look for Jeff Herbner's Austrian Economics Step-by-Step Class to catch up to find out what you've been missing about money and prices and the business cycle. CulinaryLibertarian.com slash Biteback. My guest today is Jose Nino, a libertarian freelance writer based in Fort Collins, Colorado, and currently writing for Mises.org and the Advocates for, the Advocates for Self-Government. We are speaking today about Jose's 2018 article published on Mises.org entitled, Get Ready for the War on Meat. He has since written a follow-up article, The Green New Deal Continues the War on Meat, also from Mises.org, and both articles will be linked to today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. Okay, folks, that's going to do it. You can find Jose's social media information, Mises.org bio, and newsletter link at today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. You heard Jose mention he does a lot of writing on the Second Amendment. He also has an ebook, 
10 Myths of Gun Control, which you can pick up, and the link for that will also be on today's show notes page. The last bit of news is my ebook is done. You can pick it up at the link. You can pick it up at the link on the show notes page. The last bit of news is my ebook is done. Woohoo! It's a muffins e-cookbook. You can pick it up at the link on the show notes page. Just give me an email address and then download the book. And for that, I'll send you an email or two once a week. Not too many. That's all for today. I'll see you next week. <clears throat> the fight for 15, or some other arbitrary number as the minimum wage, is a flaw in economic thinking. Wage is a price for labor. Everybody wants more money, but so many do not seem to understand what money is, or where prices come from, or what is the business cycle. Economist Jeff Herberner's class, Austrian Economics Step-by-Step at Liberty Classroom, can help you bite back against your incomplete education from the state. Find his class and over 20 more with my affiliate link to the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back. Bite back against the failed education of the state at culinarylibertarian.com slash biteback. When you subscribe through the biteback link, when you subscribe through the biteback link, head over to the courses page and find the Austrian economics class. Jose, let's take Jose, let's take a minute out for a word from my affiliate D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan is, simply put, dedicated to selling the best foie gras, truffles, meat, game, and mushrooms to American gastronomes, whether they are at home or work in a restaurant. One product I especially like to cook with is rendered duck fat. It is similar to bacon fat, but has a smoother flavor and adds a wonderful richness to sautés or soups or even as a warm salad dressing ingredient. And, of course, you can make duck confit. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash d'artagnan to see the wide variety of items for your pantry and, well, it's coming, your summer grill. Culinarylibertarian.com slash D-A-R-T-A-G-N-A-N or visit the link at today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. Now let's get back into the interview. My guest today is Jose Nino, a libertarian freelance writer based in Fort Collins, Colorado, and currently writing for Mises.org and the Advocates for Self-Government. We're speaking today about Jose's 2018 article published in Mises.org entitled, Get Ready for the War on Meat. He has since written a follow-up article, The Green New Deal Continues the War on Meat, both articles will be linked on today's. He has since written a follow-up article, 
The Green New Deal continues the war on meat also for Mises.org. Both articles will be linked on today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. Jose, let's take a minute out for a word from Jose, let's take a minute out for a word from my affiliate, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan is, simply put, dedicated to selling simply the best foie gras, truffles, meat, game, and mushrooms to American gastronomes, whether they are at home or at the restaurant. One product I especially like to cook with is the rendered duck fat. It is similar to bacon fat. It is similar to bacon fat, but has a smoother flavor and adds a wonderful richness to sautés or soups or even as an ingredient in warm salad dressing. And yes, you can make duck confit. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash d'artagnan to see the wide variety of items for your pantry and for your summer grill. It's coming culinarylibertarian.com slash d-a-r-t-a-g-n-a-n or visit the sh- or visit the link at the show notes page culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. Now let's get back to the interview. All right folks that's gonna do it. You can find Jose's social media information, his Mises.org bio, and his newsletter link at the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 26. You heard Jose mention he does a lot of writing on the Second Amendment. He also has an ebook, Ten Myths of Gun Control, which you can pick up, and the link for that will also be on today's show notes page. And the link for that will also be on today's show notes page. The last bit of news is my ebook is done. Woohoo! It is a muffins e-cookbook, and you can pick it up also at the link on the show notes page. Just give me an email address, and then you can download the book and start baking muffins for breakfast. And for that, I'll send you an email once or twice a week. Not too many. All right, that's it. I will see you next week. Bye. The fight for 15 or some other arbitrary number as the minimum wage is a flaw in economic thinking. Wage is the price for labor. Everybody wants more money, but so few people really seem to understand what money is or what prices are or what is the business cycle. Economist Jeff Herberner's class, Austrian Economics Step-by-Step at Liberty Classroom, can help you bite back against your incomplete education from the state. Find his class and over 20 more with my affiliate link to the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back. Bite back against the failed education from the state. When you subscribe through the bite back link, Head over to the courses page and find the Austrian economics class. Culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back.